0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Living the Best Disabled Life. Today I had the pleasure of talking to Ryan Martin. Ryan Martin is a wheelchair basketball player, and he also is the founder of the Ryan Martin Foundation. The Ryan Martin Foundation strives to help athletes, young athletes with disabilities live their most fulfilling lives. In this episode, we talk about the impact that basketball had on Ryan, as well as what it was like to grow up in a family of 12 and his experience playing basketball overseas. Hi, Ryan.
1: Hi, Olivia. Thank you for having me today.
0: Thanks for coming. So, can we just start off by maybe you talking a little bit about yourself and um how you started the Ryan Martin Foundation
1: Yeah sure uh, it's a good place to start so i um i grew up in a family of 12 and my parents adopted kids with special needs and so uh we had always played sports um growing up and so you know, one of the sports that we would always play was basketball. And so I kind of fell in love with basketball um, and got introduced to the sport of wheelchair basketball when I was around 16 years old. And uh, it's been, you know, kind of my passion uh, ever since. And, you know, it's given me some great opportunities to go to college and travel the world um, and different things like that. And so one of the you know, probably the biggest impact that basketball had on my life was this concept that I needed to pay it forward a little bit and like create this opportunity for other individuals. And so that's kind of where the, uh, you know, where the, the, um, the idea of the Ryan Merton Foundation kind of first took shape.
0: That's incredible. I know um, that you started it a long time ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, how has it uh, grown and like what,
1: um, What are your
0: main goals for it right now?
1: Yeah, so when we started, I just wanted to do a a summer uh, wheelchair basketball camp for kids with disabilities. There wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't a, a robust offering of different adaptive sports opportunities for kids growing up. And so, like, for me, I was, you know, really fortunate to find wheelchair basketball. And it really, you know, it impacted every aspect of my life from a wellness perspective. It, you know, made me focus more on school, you know, and it kind of gave me, you know, a reason to apply myself. And previously, probably, if I was being honest, I wasn't applying myself. And so um, I really just wanted to kind of create that. Um, But I didn't think it was going to be this big of a deal, right? I just wanted it to come home. Um, and do uh, summer basketball camps for kids that look like me and that were, you know, dealing with some of those challenges of growing up with a disability that I had to navigate. And so, yeah, it just kind of started with a really simple concept. And I was living in Europe during the time. And so, like, I was only home in the US a couple of months out of the year. Um, and, you know, just really fortunate that it took hold. I was surprised. Um, you know, when we first started, I thought it was going to be one of those things that, well, there wasn't a really big need for it, um, but I, f- I found quite the opposite.
0: So you were in Europe before you started it?
1: Yeah, I was living in Spain, so I played uh, wheelchair basketball professionally in Spain and France uh, for 10 years, and that's where I really, you know, I really started to see the impact an athlete can have. On a community beyond the sporting realm, right? By creating different opportunities, by using their voice, and for me, that was all I wanted to do. I just wanted to take what really worked for me and try to create a structure for other folks to, um, you know, benefit. You know, maybe similarly, but also as well, you know, kind of carve out their own things. I think um, organized sports teaches people a lot of things as far as like leadership, working in a team, and you know, uh, the sporting com- the sporting field, like teaches you how to struggle and how to be successful. And I thought that was something that was, you know, kind of sorely missing within our, you know, our disabled community from a youth perspective.
0: Oh, I forgot my question. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, I always see this. Um oh, so um what was your experience like um playing basketball in another country? Like when you were in Europe, like was it was it accessible like was Europe accessible or was it not? Um was it different than um, playing basketball or just being in a um, being in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, there are places that were accessible, but I would say overall, um, you know, a lot of Europe, uh, the parts that I got to experience were, um, you know, kind of pre-ADA. You know, you and I both have benefited from the Americans with Disabilities Act here in the U.S., and so for the most part, you know, accessibility isn't a as big of a concern as it would have been pre ADA for an individual with a disability. And so there was a lot of experiencing that in Europe, which was something kind of new, um, for me, but like, I, I think the people really, um, were accepting of it. I mean, they have a full professional sports league, um, you know, for individuals with disabilities. So I think they were, they were really accepting of it and, you know, they, they went out of their way to kind of, um, you know, kind of fix situations if they were unaccessible, you know, like, um so I think there were some structural issues there. And then just as an American living overseas is there's kind of a culture shock, you know, whether it's from the language or, you know, different customs and things like that. So there's a lot of challenges. And, you know, I, I would say the easiest part of that is, is the basketball piece, to be honest, because that's, uh, you know, that's where you're the expert.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Especially because not every not every country like treats disability um as like an important like it's not as important to other countries and they don't really have um as much like you don't have as much access to accessible
1: or accessibility in general
0: depending on like the country you're in
1: yeah i would caution to say it's not a um it's not a priority. I don't think that's a fair way to cast it. I think, you know, I think you're looking at, you know, Europe has been around as a civilization much longer than the U.S., right? So you have um, a lot of different, you know, building structures that that would be very difficult to make accessible. And I think there's some, like, some structures there. I also think, you know, while their accessibility isn't, like, what I would consider it to be here in the U.S., like, we're, we're by far not perfect in that space. But I often I often talk about like, yeah, accessibility is a really big component to that whole idea and the whole concept of inclusion. But I also think, you know, it's the mindset of, you know, having like looking at adaptive sports and being like, hey, that's really an incredible thing. And can that adaptive sports component change an individual's paradigm on what they view a person with a disability is capable of, right? And can that permeate into different areas of life, whether it's in education or in employment. So I think um, I wouldn't say that it's it's not a priority. I just think it's something where the evolution of it hasn't quite caught up yet. And yeah. I think the- I think
0: that's what I meant. Like, that's what I meant. Yeah. But I like, I um, <laughs> I was like, that's exactly what I meant. I didn't mean that like, it was actually like, they, they don't care
1: <laughs> just mm-hmm.
0: that um like some are, some countries are slower than others in that capacity
1: yeah and i mean not to make excuses for somebody to be cut but i think there's also a question of resource, right you know in um different economies and, and around the world and things of that nature but For my experience in Europe, I felt like most individuals were really, you know, supportive of adaptive sports and individuals with disabilities. But, you know, much like there's still issues in the United States, uh, there was issues there as well.
0: Makes sense. Do you actually still play um, professionally or uh, do you just do it for fun and stuff now?
1: Well, so um, the professional adaptive sports model is only available in Europe for wheelchair basketball. And so here in the u s we have the national wheelchair Basketball Association, but it is amateur, so you don't get paid to play and so I do play for a team out of new york um but it's not you know it's not my full ah, okay. time job makes sense.
0: and then um if you were to give yourself uh your like younger self any advice uh, whether it be like any advice just as a older more uh Older, more, uh, wise, uh, adult now. Like, what would you tell, um, your younger self?
1: Like, what what advice would you give yourself? Uh, That's a great question. Um, Hmm. what would Ryan tell young Ryan? Yes, so so many things. Um, I I I think probably if I had to like kind of summarize it, I would say you know probably the number one thing is it gets better into. And to really try to apply yourself in areas because I think I dealt with a lot with me growing up and understanding my disability and being able to feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, And one of the things that like when you get older, you just start caring less about what other people think about you and, and all those different things. So I, I think I would tell my younger self to just kind of, you know, kind of stay the course and really, really, you know, focus on myself versus, you know, things that are more out of my control.
0: Makes sense. I can totally resonate with this. Um, like, I don't think years ago, I would have even thought about starting a podcast. I was at one point in my life, I was very like, didn't even want to identify as a disabled person, kind of like hit hit it as much as I could even mm. though you can't really hide it when you're walking around on crutches right. in a wheelchair but um yeah i just really resonate with that like and then as you get older you just kind of start to care i mean not care as much as you did as a child
1: yeah you know and i and i think the the maturity of growing up with your disability you know it it makes you wiser and it puts you in situations you know and that's not just you know that's not just for individuals with disability as i think there's a lot of folks that you know, have a different hardship, whether, you know, for, for them being a different from a diversity perspective. And I think the sooner you can recognize, like, what really matters, the easier your, you know, the easier your plight becomes.
0: That was really well put. Um, so how do you think that you're living, uh, now, now that, like, you have all this nice wisdom you would give to, like, your younger self, how do you think you're living your best disabled life and not letting your disability get in the way or having like any internalized ableism, that kind of stuff? Um,
1: that's a good question. Uh so I I think for me, I don't I, I'm disabled, right? And I own that and I and I think it's got its pros and its cons, right? Um, but it's not one of the factors. That I dwell on in my life, right? Because I feel like at this point I've navigated my disability, yes, and there's ups and downs with it, but I think you know, if you ask me to describe myself, yes, I'm a dis- an individual with a disability, but I don't think it stops there. I think there's more that I bring to the table. And so I just try to do I just try to do the best that I can with you know accomplishing the tasks and the goals that I set out. And I really don't dwell on the disability component too. I think at some point, you know, to be successful, you've got to kind of, you know, look in the past and let the past be the past and kind of look forward. And so that's kind of always my approach that like I can sit there and dwell on my disability or, you know, the opportunities that are taken away or the obstacles that are prevalent because of it, or I can just kind of own it and make it go. And that's kind of what I choose to do.
0: So you kind of just don't like, you don't, you don't focus on it that much. You kind of just almost let it kind of be in the background.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I always, uh, I always say like when I meet somebody new, you know, and this, this format's a little bit different, right. Because of the nature of what we're uh, discussing and, you know, your platform, which uh, I think is a very important platform. And I give you credit for, you know, using your voice to create, um, you know, create some advocacy and some awareness around uh, in the space. But for me like i I think I'm a million things before I put disability in right you know I'm an athlete I'm a businessman you know I'm a brother I, I I'm an uncle you know I'm a million different things that I think define me more than my disability
0: that makes so much sense and I think sometimes like younger when you're younger you you either just don't you think <laughs> you automatically just think about yourself as a disabled person mm-hmm. like uh, that's your only identity or whatever, but there's so much more to people and they're not just their disability. Mm-hmm. There can be a bunch of different things. There's not like one identity that you have to identify with, you know?
1: Like, for, for sure. And I think, you know, I, I think it's important to, you know, it, it's clear when I go into a room, like when i wheel into a room, I know people are going to judge me and and look at me and have these preconceived thoughts. Right. But that's one of the things I can't control, but I can control how I impact them, you know, and maybe I'm able to change their perspective on some of this stuff.
0: Like you can change their perspective, Mm -hmm. like, um, not necessarily change the perspective. Well, at least kind of give them a different perspective.
1: Yeah. I, I think a lot of times, you know, I think people view disability and they, They have their preconceived notions, right? And they don't think oftentimes, you know, like, hey, this individual might be, you know, college educated, run their own business, multiple language, have all these vast skills. Um, And so for me, I I can only control what I can control, right? Like, um, and and that's kind of what I try to do in those types of settings.
0: Yeah, that's what I always try to do too. Like, (laughs) just because I'm walking in with crutches doesn't mean I'm like, oh, yeah, I automatically didn't graduate high school, didn't didn't graduate college. This that um people make the assumption that you're probably not a smart person right. or, or you're not like a successful person. It's just like but you kind of just have to like prove them wrong. And then it changes like and then slowly kind of changes society's view of like disabled people.
1: Yeah, and I I never go into a room um Maybe maybe I did when I was younger. I never go into a room being like, hey, I need to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So they, you know, they view me differently. If I'm in a room and it's a business setting, I try to be the most competent, best business person I can be, right? If I'm going into a room and I'm the guest speaker, guest lecturer, I just try to do the best job I can on that front, too.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me um, and giving your insight on like living, as a disabled person and everything you've like accomplished it's been really um really interesting and I just love doing these like (laughs) I love finding out like because everyone has a different perspective of being disabled and different ways of um living like their best disabled life so it's just so interesting to like hear everyone's story
1: yeah no totally uh totally agree and right um I, I think I I enjoy seeing people's you know, uh you know owning their disability and being comfortable in their space and you know I love seeing like you know the different levels of representation of where you're starting to see you know individuals with disabilities really shine in you know multiple areas and stuff like that so um I I, I think it's great I think the one advice to kind of wrap things up you know that I would give to you know, my younger self, or, you know, an individual with a disability who's, you know, trying to get that first job or, you know, things that they didn't perceive as possible, you know, you really have to kind of focus on what's possible for you. And I think, I think a lot of times individuals with disabilities, we use our disability as that excuse as to why something didn't happen or didn't occur. Um, you know, and, and I don't think that's always the case, you know, but I do fundamentally believe that me as a individual with a disability, I just have to be better at what I do for me to get the same shot as somebody who isn't disabled. I I do fundamentally believe there is a bias to that, but like, I just kind of embrace that challenge.
0: That's some really good advice. I might have to take (laughs) that. Feel free. Well, thank you for listening to Living My Best Disabled Life.